Hey, how's it going everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 11 of The Essential X-Lapsed, where we are going to cover the book that finally caused me to uh, to decide to go all in with Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, I know, I've, uh, I've said it many, many times that I don't do digital, but uh, I guess I kind of am now. Uh, I'm not loving it. I mean, I, I do like the convenience of Marvel Unlimited. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful platform for folks who are trying to you know, learn a little bit more about the history of uh, the Marvel Universe, where things started, where things came from, where things were going to, and it's you know it's all at your it's all at your fingertips. So it's uh, as cliche as it may sound, it is a uh, heck of a tool. But for me, it makes it so I don't have to try to search out books or collected versions of books that I really don't want. <laughs> I mean, case in point, right here, a Thor story. Now. I somehow have probably well over a hundred issues of Thor in my comics library. Uh, I did follow it when I was a Marvel zombie back in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. It was never really my favorite thing. Nothing I looked forward to. It was kind of just a, hey, it's on the shelf, it's got Marvel on it, I'm going to pick it up. That said, I really, I really don't care about Thor so much, so I was not going to... Run out to try to track down the essential Thor Volume 1 or Volume 2 Whatever one would have this story in it Or or just try to find it elsewhere So I figured Marvel Unlimited was the way to go And as I read this, I read this on my, my cell phone Because I didn't realize there was like a Kind of a back way to uh, make this thing show up on my iPad Which is ancient and uh, out of date, obsolete the Marvel Unlimited app does not work with it. It's not compatible with it. It needs to be a whole different iOS and yada, yada, yada. I figured out a way to get around that. So I am now enjoying Marvel Unlimited on my ancient tablet, where it still works like a charm. So uh, we are back in business here. Not going to miss a beat. So let's get into today's book. This is, as I mentioned, a Thor story that appeared in Journey into Mystery number 109. This had an October 1964 cover date. The story is called When Magneto Strikes. Written and edited by Stan Lee, pencils Jack Kirby, inks Chick Stone, letters S. Rosen, colors, eh? And cover price, 12 cents. Now, it's worth noting to start, the uh, issue remarks that Magneto is appearing by special arrangement with the publishers of the X-Men magazine. And here, Stan admits that it's all in-house. He's like... The publishers of X-Men, which is to say, us. So, uh, I kind of hope that this isn't the last time we get a caption like this, though, because it is, it's pretty adorable. Now, I should probably point out that Magneto's, uh, costume is, well, it's purple on the cover, which is kind of weird. I wonder if this is because, uh, maybe Stan thought purple would look better than red on the cover, like, you know, Scarlet Witch being green instead of, uh, you know, Scarlet on the covers of X-Men. Anyway, let's uh, let's open this sucker up here. Uh, we open with Thor being given a tour of the Hall of Heroes exhibit that's going to debut at the upcoming World's Fair. Now we see statues of Thor himself, his fellow Avengers, and the Fantastic Four. Now the Fair Fellow also claims that there are statues for Spider-Man, Daredevil, and the X-Men in another room, though uh, we don't get to see them. And it's interesting how, uh, you know, the X-Men are being included, which uh, doesn't speak to them being feared and or hated, does it? Though, in fairness, J. Jonah Jameson does fear and hate Spider-Man, and he's got a statue, so who knows? Now, it's worth noting 
The reed statue looks like it's trying to give the coochie-coochie-coo to Giant Man. It's a little odd. Anyway, Thor declares this to be a great honor, and he hopes that he is worthy of it. He then takes off because he's got some mundane stuff to attend to. Uh, Namely, he's got some Dr. Donald Blaking to do. As he flies toward the hospital, we see a gnarled tree sticking up out of the harbor. Now, we readers get the all-sideways look at it, which reveals it as being a crazy submergible fort. Looks kind of like the Technodrome, but with a tree growing out the top of it rather than a mechanical eyeball. Anyway, uh, you will probably never guess who's inside. Okay, we all know who's inside. It's Magneto, and he's not alone. He's got the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants with him. But, here's one, you'll never guess what they're trying to do. Okay, we all know what they're trying to do. They're trying to find the X-Men, because that is all they ever do. Now, Magneto is peering through a periscope, which is the reason why there's a giant gnarled tree atop the fort, because it's a disguised scope, you see. Now, whatever the case, Magneto believes that they are getting very close to sussing out the X-Men's secret location, which, I mean, he's in New York City now, which is the same place he always looks for them, right? How could he be any closer or any further at this point? Anyway, Toad bounces in all freaked out by a sea monster that's broken into their vessel. Magneto annoyedly and disappointedly reminds Toad that this is just Mastermind's gimmick here. This is what he does. Why Mastermind would be manifesting a dumb-looking sea lizard, though, is behind me. Is he just trying to screw with Toad? That seems like rather a waste of time and energy, doesn't it? But uh, I suppose in fairness, Mastermind is quite bored and... Uh, yeah, I, I can't think of very many things to do in a, uh, in a submergible fort. Then, the Maximoffs enter the scene. Quicksilver makes sure to threaten everyone with the all, if anything happens to my sister, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Magneto's all, yes, that's very nice, before sending them on their X-Men search mission. Once in the Magna boat, Wanda expresses relief that they're going to be far away from Magneto, and Toad threatens to tell on her. What a douche. After they leave, Magneto sits on a giant magnet to try and amp up his already awesome powers. From here, we get a scene shift. We're over to the hospital where Thor, Don, Blake's down. Then, Stan Lee's favorite time, minutes later, we see Dr. Donald treating a young patient who threw his arm out playing football. Just then, all of the medical instruments begin to float. Don and Jane Foster stick their heads out the window and witness all sorts of metallic debris floating in the air. Like, even large things like cars, motorbikes, lampposts, signage from nearby businesses just floating through air, being attracted somewhere. But then it stops. Everything falls to the ground. Don Blake immediately knows there's some supernatural forces at play, and that they're very likely evil in nature. Though it would seem as though all the non-Blake onlookers just wrote this whole thing off as a mass delusion. I mean, can you imagine being that simple? They're like, oh, well, everything was floating, it's not anymore. Oh, well, let's get to the store. You know, they really don't care. Now, the workday wraps up, and Jane Foster is oh so excited to get ready for her date with the doc. Well, not so fast, Kima Sabet, because Don Blake's got some business to attend to. He blows her off, claiming to be feeling ill, and tells her that he'll make it up to her tomorrow. And so she harumphs and stomps away. Then, moments later, which I guess is close enough to minutes later, Uh, We rejoin Thor, who laments the fact that he has to keep his alter ego a secret from Jane. He hopes that one day Odin will allow him to spill the beans. Then, Molyneux picks up the scent of the magnetic menace, which irresistibly pulls our hero to that gnarled tree in the harbor. 
Thor peeps it out and is quick to deduce that there's more to it than meets the eye. Because, I mean, we already know it's a periscope. Now, in the middle of the treetop, he finds a hatch, which he enters. Once in the down below, Thor smashes through a large door, behind which reveals Magneto, who is doing his best, uh, you know, Mr. Sinister when he sees Nanny over in Hellion's impression, like one leg up, like, ooh, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty funny scene. Now, Thor, at this point, asks the baddie to identify himself. And, well, if there's one thing we know Magneto loves to do, it's introduce himself. He is, of course, Magneto, the most powerful of Homo Superior. He then sends the busted-off door in Thor's direction, and the Odinson sidesteps it, but just barely. Thor rears back as though he's going to smash Magneto's helmeted head with Monyar, but Magneto stops him, suggesting that they have no need to fight. Hell, they don't even need to be enemies, even. Now, since Magneto's secondary mutation seems to be tunnel vision, he automatically assumes that Thor is a mutant. And as such, he invites him to join the Brotherhood. And Thor's like, okay, dude, explain. Explain that to me. And so Magneto gives him a tour of the facilities, which are completely jammed with all sorts of treasures. And he offers Thor everything. But that don't impress Thor much. Magneto goes to pour himself a libation while assuring Thor that once he takes over the world, the Odinson will be welcome to share all of the bounty. Thor slaps the drink out of Mags's hand, exclaiming that he isn't an evil mutant. You see, he's a protector of the human race. Magneto responds by yanking a wad of metal from the floor and wrapping Thor up in it, and Thor easily hammers his way out before hurling Molinar at Magneto. He narrowly dodges it, but then it boomerangs around to have another pass at him. Magneto then uses his power, which is apparently beyond mere description, to stop Molinar. Which, I, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but, uh, you know, the hammer. You know, the, the hammer thing. And I gotta say, I wasn't expecting to see that happen. Uh, I mean, if Magneto can stop the hammer in midair, does that mean he's one of the worthy? I mean, there's a plot twist, huh? Anyway, it's now time for some hand-to-hand combat. Magneto uses his powers to send Thor flying backwards into the, uh, I guess, the trash compactor area from Star Wars? You know, like walls coming into crush. Quite why this is on Magneto's submergible is beyond me. I mean, this thing must be a lot bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Now, the walls come, you know, crushing in, but Thor is Thor. He's not affected. And so Magneto closes another wall in order to separate them. Just then, Thor realizes that it's been over 60 seconds since he's held Molinar, and so he's reverted back to the puny, weak Don Blake. And the hammer is reverted back to a crooked walking stick. Now, Magneto notices the stick, but doesn't think much of it. I mean, the stick wasn't there a second ago, but it's there now. Ah, no worries. I'm sure it just found its way into the underwater submergible fortress. I, I don't know. From here, Magneto then turns his attention back to the captive Thor, and he uses his magnetic powers to pull all the rivets out of the steel walls, using them as projectiles with which to perforate our hero. Don Blake deftly dodges the rivets, but falls victim to a falling bit of debris from above. Don then thinks that he'll work his way backwards, through the tunnel wall thing that he made as Thor the first time Magneto attempted to squish him a page or two ago. Later, uh, we don't know how much later, I'm guessing minutes later, uh, Magneto checks in on the sealed room, only to discover that Thor is gone. He heads over to his computer to try and track Thor around the facility, and, I mean... This really must be one of those bigger-on-the-inside-than-the-outside sort of layers because this is a huge, huge thing. Now, it's not long before Magneto spots his guest, though 
He's just a dot pinging on a security system So he doesn't realize that it's Don Blake instead of Thor It's just a person, a entity And so Magneto decides to turn his facility into the danger room Attacking our hero with all manner of obstacles Just as Magneto's about to finish the job killing Don Blake He gets a call from the Brotherhood Informing him that they found the X-Men And that's the good news The bad news is The X-Men found them too And are currently chasing the baddies around the city Gotta ask, shouldn't the bad guys be ready for a fight? I mean, that's kind of the point of tracking down your enemy, right? Especially in this sort of situation, you want to beat them I I don't know Uh, We see the Brotherhood being zapped by a wide red beam And we're going to assume it's Cyclops Though we don't actually get to see any of the X-Men during this issue Magneto asks for their location so he can join them But then he hears a scurrying He rightly assumes it's Thor He sees Thor from around a corner picking up the walking stick Which he finds curious, and I guess that's fair Whatever the case, Blake gives the cane a tap and Thor's back up, and it's time for round two. Thor immediately rushes Magneto, going to smash him with Molyneux. Magneto once again manages to stop the mystical hammer using a magnetic force field. Thor then just decides to hoist the baddie up and throw him across the room. Why not? Unfortunately, he lands right next to a computer console with a big old lever sticking out of it. Now when Magneto pulls the lever, a trapdoor opens right beneath him, sending him down to... Well, maybe this is one of Tony Stark's labs because he's got a, a nuclear bomb down below waiting for him. Ay ay ay. Um, but before our master of magnetism can trigger it to go boom, it's covered in ice. Magneto realizes that this can only mean one thing, which I mean, come on, dude, you must be looking right at them. It's the X-Men, of course. How they got down here to the underbelly of this underwater submergible fort, I couldn't tell you. Also, why Magneto is suddenly running from them, I also couldn't tell you. Is this like one of those things where like a cat finally catches a mouse and then has absolutely no idea what to do with it when it catches it? I don't know. Anyway, after Kid Cool ices up the nuke, we see a winged shadow on the wall and a pair of knuckles-out, ape-like hands entering the panel. Seconds later, well, well seconds later, that's a lot quicker than minutes later, uh, Magneto makes his way to a Magnus sub and escapes the undersea lair. Thor watches as a second submarine follows, one with a great big X on the side of it. Thor then decides to hammer around a bit to find his way out of the Magnetodrome. He finds the nuke and declares that since it was frozen, it's now useless. So you heard it here first, folks. If we're serious about nuclear disarmament, all we gotta do is freeze the bombs. Thor then blows up the lair, which confirms that, yeah, I guess the nuke is definitely a dud. Though... I am guessing that at least a handful of fish in various undersea life perished in this blast. Uh, we, we just never think about the fish, do we? Now we jump to long minutes later, where Magneto is hiding out in his sub under a reef. He's managed to evade the X-Men, but promises he'll have another go at it soon. You know, probably like in the very next issue of X-Men. Well, maybe not the very next issue, but very, very soon. We wrap up a bit later where Don Blake lets himself into Jane Foster's apartment so that she can make him a ham and cheese sandwich. And no, I'm not joking. Uh, As he eats up, she pours him a glass of milk, and then we are out of here. Next episode, we are back with the X-Men, and we are going to meet Eunice the Untouchable. But for right now, let's talk Thor, and uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I didn't hate this. (laughs) I didn't hate it at all, actually. I quite liked it. I thought this was a very fun story. I don't know what this says about, uh, 
you know, Silver Age Thor? Is this something I need to to check out, or is this just an anomaly? Because, you know, I mean, it's covering characters that I actually care about, and uh, I'm hard pressed to think of a time where Thor and uh, Magneto went one on one. I mean, I'm sure it's happened in the sixty or so odd years hence, but uh, it was pretty neat here to see. Yeah, see Magneto in a different light. See Thor dealing with a with an X Men villain here. Uh, the cameos by the X Men were uh, I don't know if they were necessary. <laughs> I really don't know if we had to uh, leave them off screen. Uh, maybe Stan was really playing up the whole thing where these books are from different companies or these books are from different uh, different editorial fiefdoms. I don't know, but uh, eh, it was cute, I guess. But it is a bit of a shame that we didn't get to see them Because I feel like uh, like Jack Kirby puts a little bit more effort into the non-X-Men books So <laughs> it would be interesting to see how how they're portrayed in this issue of uh, Journey into Mystery When we saw the X-Men in Fantastic Four, they looked really, really good In the X-Men book itself, they, they don't quite have the same dynamicism Is that a word? They don't look quite as dynamic as they did in uh, in Fantastic Four And I would assume... That they'd probably look really cool here in Thor as well Magneto looked great And I'm totally tickled with Magneto just being so tunnel-visioned on Everybody with powers must be a mutant Like he's just gonna start asking everybody to join him No matter who they are, where they came from Aliens can join him, no matter what If they have powers that are above Homo sapiens They must, must be a mutant Even, you know, the son of Odin A god um, Who is a member of the Avengers you gotta figure has been on the cover of a newspaper or two in the past, you know, little while Quite why Magneto doesn't recognize him is, uh I don't know, maybe they don't have a subscription to the Daily Bugle up on that uh, house on the Windy Hill that uh, Magneto owns I guess we could, uh, we could lampshade it or no prize it like that What else we got? What else we got? Uh, the Brotherhood The Brotherhood show up and they are all in character I, I like that bit of continuity here Where, I mean... Like, you don't have to read all the X-Men books to understand that there is a bit of a, you know, a schism or turmoil within the Brotherhood. We've got Pietro and Wanda who are kind of, you know, they're they're kind of just a duo inside the team where Mastermind and uh, Toad are really kind of just more like lackeys. You can definitely see that there is a difference in philosophy there without being beaten over the head with it, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, I mean, Pietro even gets in one of his, you know, if you hurt my sister, yada, yada, yada. It, it's the same thing he says every single time. What I don't really understand is why uh, why the Brotherhood went out looking for the X-Men when they weren't, you know, um, prepared to do anything once they found them. That seems kind of strange, but it's also very much in line with uh, the way Silver Age villains, uh, or at least lackeys, henchmen, uh, kind of do things here. It's They're kind of the boots on the street, and when they... Actually come across their quarry It's, well, what next? We gotta call in the big guy And I guess unfortunately for them Magneto was otherwise occupied with a god Overall, not a whole heck of a lot more to say Um, The Thor and Jane relationship is quaint (laughs) It's certainly uh, not current year I mean, having him barge into her apartment So she can make him a ham and cheese is uh, That's a little silly Uh, I don't think that would float nowadays But uh, back in 1964, I guess that was just uh, the cost of doing business I chuckled at it regardless It's a a relic It's a uh, quaint thing And probably not worth thinking all that much about Because that could could ruin your time if you do that Uh, Now, as for an issue I don't know that this will ever make me pick up another issue of Thor uh, But 
that said, I'm happy that we read this one. I'm happy that I broadened my horizons a little bit with this uh, with this essential X-lapsed project. I, I really like the way that we're formatting the uh, the program here, where we're not just talking about you know X-Men one through whatever. You know, we are talking about X-Men one through wherever. You know, we're going to all different books here: Strange Tales, uh, Tales of Suspense, now Journey into Mystery. We're going to go back to Strange Tales in a few episodes. Uh, we're just going to keep playing with the uh, with the seminal moments in X-Men and mutant history. Whether or not they show up in actual X-Men comics, that's that's immaterial. We're going to cover as much of it as we possibly can, and. That brings me to my usual plea here. If you know of a story that's coming up that we should be paying attention to and perhaps I might miss it, please let me know. Let me know and it will be put on the docket. Uh, like I said, I got Marvel Unlimited now, so basically the sky's the limit, right? I don't think there's a whole lot that isn't on there from this era, so definitely you know, hit me up. Let me know what stories you want to see covered here. As we know, uh, Pietro and Wanda will be, you know, spoiler alert, they will be joining the Avengers pretty soon. And so another request out to the listeners here. If there are any Wanda and Pietro stories that you feel that should be covered on this show, as, you know, they are, you know, technically part of the X-Men family, I suppose, at this point in time. And so I'd like us to keep uh, keep some tabs on them. Now, whether that's in the form of, uh, like, a collection of vignettes from recent Avengers comics, we can do an episode just on that. Or if there are some especially Wanda and Pietro-focused issues of the Avengers, we'll, we'll cover that as well. So let me know your thoughts on that, and uh, we will, uh, I will do my best to, uh, to do it right. We will for sure be covering Avengers number 16, you know, the Caps Cookie Quartet. That is definitely in the rotation, so uh, look forward to that if, uh, if that is something that you would look forward to. But uh, I think that's all I got to say about this. Let's hop into the mailbag here. We got a message from our good friend Doc Strange, Billy Dunleavy here. Regarding our discussion of Strange Tales number 120. Now, this was the meeting between Iceman and Human Torch. And he says, hey, Chris, wow, these stories are interesting. Barracuda sounds about as menacing as the Tooth Fairy and uh, not the one from that horror flick. Oh, and I'm glad that Stan is still asking Stan for permission to use some of Stan's characters. That's so nice of him. Thanks for doing the yeoman's work here on these old-school stories. Well, thank you so much for listening and writing in, Billy. Uh, yeah, Barracuda, not uh, all that notable a villain, right? Uh, we won't be coming back to him. You know, I'm sure we won't be coming back to him. I mean, hell, Marvel themselves barely came back to the guy. I think he's got, like, like seven or eight uh, appearances over the past 60 years, so... Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he's perfectly fine for a uh, villain of the week. And when we're just trying to show that the Torch and uh, Kid Cool can, you know, work in tandem. I mean, there are, I guess there are worse people they could have put them against. But once again, thank you so much for listening and taking the time to write in. It really, really means a lot to me. Uh, these, these old Silver Age stories, I don't know how, uh, I don't know how much people want to hear them, you know. Uh, they're very different from our current year stuff, and... Yeah, as I've said before, they, they aren't always the most interesting. They can be a slog, and I'm sure hearing me blather on about them it may not be the most exciting way to spend a morning or an evening, but uh, for everyone who does, I, I thank you very, very much. Now, if anybody out there would like to become a part of the show and write in or call in, I would uh, I would urge you to do so. You can find me several different ways. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Ace Comics. On Instagram, you can find me at 90sXmen. You can call into the X-Lapsed hotline at 623-396-JERK. 
Now for blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrisoninfiniteearth.com. You can join in the conversation on Facebook, where we're currently uh, putting together a big, big jam project for uh, the holiday season here. It's going to be a little bit of merry X-lapsed marathoning uh, going on, uh, hopefully, on Christmas Eve this year. So if you're interested in talking about Christmas and the X-Men and maybe more Christmas than the X-Men, uh, hit me up. Let me know. Join the group, 90s X-Men, on Facebook. Finally, for all your Chris and Reggie comics commentary listening needs, including the entire archives, you can head over to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, available everywhere the internet aggregates noise. And uh, if while you're there you like what you hear, or at least appreciate the effort that goes into it each and every day, I would love for you to spread the word, share the show, maybe tell a friend or two. It would really help me out and really mean the world to me. Speaking of which, it means so much to me that you'd allow me to be part of your day today. So thank you all so, so much for that. And until next time, as always, I'll be talking to you again real soon. See ya.